So good morning. Good morning. I bring you lots of uh, greetings and love from uh, our side. And um, again, we might not have been here the last few years in, in person, but we've been here praying for you and trusting God to continue to do wonderful things in and through you. Um, thank you, Kim, for your very kind and gracious words. And uh, thank you for the opportunity, Kim and Sue and your eldership team. And uh, again, these boys, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out which one is which. They've just, in the, what, we've been here 2019 the last time. Something happened here. I don't know who this is. So, um, but really incredible. I really want to honor you. And, um, you know, we, we always read, you know, they say Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith is an is a unfinished chapter. And it's incredible, just your example. Incredible to, to, like Abraham, leave family, leave good things behind, to go into an unknown path. And it's incredible for us to, to be part of that journey with you. And it's incredible for us to see what God has done and is doing. And I um, really want to say well done. You know, I've been in business for many years. And, um, and then I became a pastor. I always say if I had a, a list of what I would never do, this would not even be on the list. But that's just me. And um, I want to say, this is not an easy job. I can tell you that. Business is far easier than this job. And um, so I really want to just honor you, you know, for, you know, I think the many tears and, and many difficulties and, you know, just having no option but faith and trusting God. And I really want to say you, you're an inspiration to us. And um, you've raised incredible sons and a daughter on the way. And um, yeah, we, we are expectant one day to see just how God would honor you for the wonderful fruits that you have sown in and through this nation and beyond. So really good to be with you finally. So um, I like swimming, but this just seemed a little bit too far. So, uh, so good. So let's open our Bibles. Um, I want to share with us this morning from uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, it might be a very well-known text to, to some of you, and I trust that, that God would use it this morning to, to really stir your faith, to really show you that He is a God who does impossible things. Because I think you'll agree with me, we've seen many difficult things these last few years, all over the world. And, um, and I think, you know, especially when, you know, in, even in this country, I know in our country, we are facing many, many challenges. And... When you keep facing challenges, when you keep facing difficult things, you start to, to, to lose sight of this God who can do impossible things. And I want to say again this morning that, that we should not try and shape God or relegate or make God small so He can fit the, our, our situation or circumstances. But we would worship God for who He is. That He is a God that can, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our situation, can do impossible and incredible things yeah. and he is looking for vessels he's looking for those that would just say here am I Lord would you use me and I know so many are here because you've said yes to that and I want to pray this morning that God would continue to use you powerfully to be his hands and feet and to make his name famous through this city and beyond so let's have a look 2 Kings chapter 4 the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now 
his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the well stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the world and pay your debts you and your sons can live on what is left so father we thank you for your incredible word lord we declare your word is living your word is active your word is alive even this morning even this day even this this very age we find ourselves in to do incredible things in and through us i thank you for your word i thank you for your holy spirit i say holy spirit would you come we invite you to have your way, have your will. Come and move unhindered and uninhibited in this place. And then I want to pray specifically, I thank you for your local church. I thank you that in and through your local church, you are doing incredible things. Would you lead us? Would you speak to us? Would you come and uh, increase our faith, Lord? Help us to understand what an amazing God you are. We ask you these things to the glory of your wonderful name. Amen. Now, something we always have to remind ourselves is that the Word of God is not something that happened then, but something that always happens. Yes? Although the Word of God is timeless, it's also timely. Because otherwise, we will read this Word like some historical book. Oh, it's great, it was good for them. But actually, God in His wisdom has given us His Word. So that it can help us. He's given us these specific examples like one we're going to look at this morning. So that we know what to do when we face challenges. What we know what to do when we face impossible situations like this lady where she found herself. So, the question really this, that for me gets answered through our text this morning is, what do you do in desperate situations? What do you do when you face an impossible situation? And I don't know if you, if you they, there was a movie, they, a series they once brought out, it's called Mission Impossible. Well, I want to say with God, there's no such thing. All things are possible to God. So what is the one thing you maybe want to see God do this year? Maybe in your life, maybe in your sphere. What is the one thing? Because here was a lady who was desperate. She needed God to do a miracle. She needed God to do something incredible in her life so i don't know where you are at this morning maybe you are desperate maybe you are in need of god to do an impossible thing may you be encouraged by this example this morning to like this lady go to god cast yourself before him and see what amazing things he can do in and through you so let's have a look verse one it says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, 
your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So the first thing I want to highlight from our text, there's no guarantee that living a godly life will keep you from harm in this world. That is so important for us to understand. Think of, he says, her husband revered the Lord. He was a prophet. He revered God. He, he worked for God. This, this is who he was. Yet, he died. Yet, his family was in a difficult situation. Think of Jesus. Who lived a more perfect and godly life than Jesus, yet he faced difficulty in this world. Now, this lady did not only lose her husband, she lost her provider, livelihood. And now she was about to lose even her two sons to slavery. Because in that culture, if, if you were not able to pay your debts, if you were not able to pay what you owed people, they could come and take you. They could come and take your sons. They could come and take your children and make them slaves so that they would work until the, every single thing is paid off that you owe. Now like this lady, many in this country, many in our country, in this city, in our workplaces, many people in, in the sphere that you are, are desperate. Many are crying out for help. So what did she do when she faced a difficult situation? She went to the man of God. You see, many are desperate around us. Many are facing impossible situations. Many have creditors knocking on their doors. So what can be a greater time for the people of God to, like Elisha, be the prophet in their lives? To show them the ways of God. To show them the way to God. You see, so often we forget that God has placed you in a specific situation in a specific example of scenario, in a specific place in this city, because he wants people to, you know, he wants you to, to, for people to get to know him in and through you. We say that sometimes we might be the only Bible people will ever read. So this lady, here she is, and we learned some interesting lessons here. Firstly, a wonderful lesson for wives. Don't live off your husband's faith. I think so often, you know, we can live, as, as wives can live of their husband's faith. But I want to encourage you, even from this story, that you need to seek your own relationship with God. You need to seek your own faith with God, as this lady had, and she knew where to go when she faced trouble. But there's also a lesson for husbands. For husbands to say, to provide for your families. To, to do whatever you can that if you might not be around, that they will be okay. But can I say, one of the greatest ways that you can provide for your family, husband, is to root yourself in a healthy local church. You see, we had a family uh, a couple of years ago, the husband um, died in a tragic car accident. And yes, he provided for them in, in, in other ways, but the best thing he could have done for that his wife, and his wife was, I think, eight months pregnant with their second daughter. And you would think, what now? 
the best thing he could have done for her was to root them into a healthy local church. And it was incredible to see how the people of God started to come around them and help them. Today, many years ago, she's doing well. Doing well. The daughters are doing well. They are healthy. They are in a good place. They love God. And God has actually used the tragedy that she went through to actually use it to minister to her own sister who eventually died of cancer and her own parents. That difficulty she went through. So again, in this life, Jesus says, we, we will face trials. But I can either hate my trial or I can use my trial. Actually say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me through this thing so I can use it to go and help and encourage others? Verse 2. So Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? So can I say, often if we find ourselves in a place where we are often in difficulty and things, we're just trying to make it ourselves, we can start to lose our heart to help other people. So this morning I want to ask, do you still have a heart to help others? Maybe someone else crying out for help in your sphere might be met with, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. They say that's the most quoted scripture. Yeah. It's not even in the Bible, by the way. God helps those who help themselves. Not true. Or you can say, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you my problems. Eh? When they start telling you their problems. Or you can say, well, sorry, ma'am. God bless. I hope it goes well with you. Eh? You see, whenever ever people came to Jesus for help, how did he respond? What did Jesus do? And what's amazing is, what did He do? He helped them. I cannot think of one situation where someone came to Jesus and He didn't help them. And what I find amazing, and, and you know, I was just thinking this morning, I can't think of, you know, was there a scenario where He actually gave them stuff? Gave them money? Because often when we think help, we think, oh, someone is going to want my money or want my stuff. Jesus didn't even give them money or stuff. No, He helped them relationally. He helped them with their sicknesses. He helped them with many, many things. Things that every one of us can actually do. So if we are His followers, if we are His representatives, if we are His body, His hands and feet, do we have an expectation that we can actually help people? You see, friend, the word says that Christ is now living inside of me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Greater is He who is in me than Him who is in the world. Jesus says to His disciples, it's better that I go. So the question is, how can the Holy Spirit in me be better than Christ next to me? Jesus says, if you wanted to see Jesus then, 2,000 years ago, you had to go to a very specific time and place to see Him there. That's why I said He had to leave so He can now continue and come back and work through us through the Holy Spirit. Continue His work through you and me. So where He was restricted to a time and a place and a, the, a physical body, now He continues His work through us, His body, His hands and feet, wherever we go. So, so if we understand this, we realize that everywhere we go, we're actually taking the presence of Jesus into the situations and circumstances. So, what does he say to her, their prophet? He says, tell me, 
What do you have in your house? She's maybe thinking, did you not hear me? You know, it's like, I need help. It's like, when I come here, there was stuff in my house. That's just how I would think. Your servant has nothing at all, she says, except a little world. You see, friend, what we learned here is, what is in your hands right now? You see, we all have something. You see, often we, we complain about what we don't have. But what we don't do, we focus on the lack instead of using what we do have. Should I not move around too much? Okay. Instead of using what we do have. You see, friend, we all have something. Every one of us has got something. Time, talents, treasure, influence. We all have something. And God doesn't ask us for something we don't have. He says, what do you have? And then what does He do? He multiplies what you have. Amen? I love the story of the five loaves and the two fishes. And actually, I love to think about what an incredible boy this was. We know he wasn't a teenager. Because he would have eaten his lunch already on the way, you know, as he leaves his home. I always think about, oh, and, and don't you tell me, in 5,000 plus people, there wasn't someone else with something. But what do we do when they're asking for help? We're all just starting to, you know, put that food away somewhere, you know. Always, always love my children when they were little. I want to eat a little chocolate here in the car. I have to be so careful I open this packet. You know, these kids are like, what are you doing there? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's there, Dad? So, anyway. So, here we have this, this boy with five loaves and two fish. And, you know, in his own hands, he can't fix the problem. Can I say, friend, that's like you and me. We face impossible challenges in front of us. We face desperate people. We face all of these things. And in our own, we can't do much. But when those loaves and that fish gets transferred into the hands of Jesus, a multitude could be fed. Imagine what can happen if you take what you have and shift it to God. What He could do. What impossible things He could do. It says, actually, we know there were many baskets full left over. Each disciple walked away with a big takeaway bag. That's how much there was. I don't know if I'll be so excited with the whole basket of uh, bread and fish but you know that's what they got so verse 3 Elisha said go around ask your neighbors for empty jars don't ask for just a few can I say what is often useless to others is useful to God you see this seems like a strange request can you imagine going to your neighbors Do you have some empty jars? When you go to the next door, do you have some empty jars? Just, just consider, you know, this, this request. You know, it's, but I, I guess she was desperate enough to do whatever, anything, to help her out of a situation. Could the reason be that we often don't see many miracles because we're just not desperate enough? Or that God is often the last person we go to? I know so often, you know, you, you'd rather go to people or, or diff, you do different things instead of going to God. 
And, and God invites us, He says, He is a Father. A Father who cares. He says, if you, you know, you parents know how to give good gifts. You know if your son asks you for bread not to give him a stone. You, you know what's good for your children. How much more does he not know what's good for you? How much more does he not know to want to help you? So what we see here, obedience was key to this miracle. And to the measure that she was extravagant in her obedience, not only bringing a few little jars, to that measure do we see the extravagance of the miracle. Don't ask for just a few. So I wonder how many often miss out on God doing great things because we just do a little. What's interesting is just the previous chapter, Elisha goes to this king and he tells him to take these arrows and beat the ground and he only hits him three times and he's upset with him. He says you should have beaten the ground many times so God would have conquered your enemies completely. One chapter now, the one we're in here, here's this lady and unlike him hitting the ground three times, she goes and gets as many jars as I can with extravagance and sees God do incredible things in and through her life. I often say, you know, I mean, just consider, what did she tell her neighbors? And this is so important. She had a word from God. But she had to be careful not to share with their neighbors, probably, this very thing, because it sounded outrageous. Because we have to be careful who we share our acts of faith with. Because so often we can share it with people that have no faith. You know, Scripture says, Paul writes in the Corinthians, he says, the things of the Spirit is foolishness to the carnal man. And we must be careful who we share these, these things with. Share it with people that's going to encourage you. People that have faith, that, you know, these very same things. So verse 4, he says, Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So where was this miracle performed? Behind closed doors. This was this her example. I'm not saying that's always the example, but this was what she what she had to do. Why was this important? Because she had to shut out unbelief and she had to shut in faith. She had to shut out the spectators and she had to shut in the audience of one, God. You see, when we shut in faith, hopelessness becomes hope. Sickness becomes healing. Impossible becomes possible. So again, we need to learn, let's rather run to God. You know, Hebrews, the writer invites us, he says, we have this God, we can come boldly to His throne of grace. Boldly. So that we may receive mercy. So God can help us in our time of need. You see, friends, my children don't have to make appointments to come to me. Yes? We, we often, someone once used the example of the president of a country. The person who's got unrestricted access to the president is their children. Yes? yes. Well, we have the Father of Heaven. And He invites us to come to Him. He's a Father. We have access to Him. Anytime. Anywhere. You know? All the time. 
Now the reality is when we come to God, we might not always walk away with what we desire, but we can walk away with peace. I know so often our prayers can be like divine complaining instead of shifting a burden. Yes? That's why when we go to God in prayer, we want to say, you know, bring our burdens to Him. Shift that burden. Give it to Him. He's far more able to carry that burden so that we can have peace when we walk away from, from Him. Hey. So, she had to get the jars and start pouring out the little well she had. Now, I can just imagine in her head, just thinking, you know, will this work? You know, what is the point? What is going to happen? Is this even worth trying? But she did it. And as she believed the Word of God, the very things started, this well started to just flow and flow. And she started to fill one jar after another. So she left him. And afterwards, shut the door behind the sons. Verse 5, she brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then only the oil stopped flowing. Again, as she shut out disobedience and shut in obedience, she obeyed God's instructions 100%. I don't know what it's like here. But I can tell you in our country, in our city where we minister, most problems in people's lives is because they just don't obey God's word. You see, friend, God is not going to change His word for you and me. He's not going to rewrite His word, reinvent His word. There are many in the world today trying to rewrite God's word, trying to do God's word in, in a way that is not right. I always say if you break God's word, it's going to break you. That's just, you know, this is how it is. If, if he's, he's given us His Word, it's timeless, but it's timely. He says, will you trust my Word? Will you believe the things that I say here? Will you live your life according to my Word, not according to the ways of the world around you? Her breakthrough and blessing came because she trusted and believed God's Word. She obeyed God's Word. Are you like this widow, taking your children on an adventure with God. I think as parents, we, we can often face many challenges. And we have to, and I'm not saying blurt everything all out to them. They need wisdom and, and the age that they're at. Um, but what I see is she invited her children into this very thing that was about to happen. And what does this mean for us? So the father, being a prophet, very likely... Um, he showed his children and taught them the written word. But here this mother exposed him to the living word. Often the living word comes at the back of the written word. And, and what, what I see is we need to show our children to have faith projects with our children. Let our children pray with us, trust with us. Let them see God answer prayers. Let them experience the living word of God. How we have a word and we see how God fulfills that word in and through our lives. Verse 7. She went and told the man of God and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So this widow, she didn't just assume the next step. Thank you. And she just goes on and does her own thing. She goes and says, Is there another instruction? Is there something else that I must still do? 
to, I've done what you said, what must I do next? And can I say here, what we see also that God has got a very big heart or a great concern for the poor and the destitute. God hears the cries of their hearts. For those who are desperate, and so should our ears and our eyes be open to the cries of people around us, crying out to God for help. We also see God's amazing provision feeding, you know, helping them in this regard. So what's the point? Miracles we see increase where desperation and obedience increase. Amen. I don't know about you, but our country needs a miracle. You know, we, our economy needs a miracle. Like never before is the church positioned to actually be His hands and feet and show them this incredible God that we serve. When everything is shaken all around, we are the ones that can show them that but actually there is a place, an unshakable kingdom, a foundation on which we can live our lives. Almost done. So, in conclusion, like never before, in this world now, we are faced with a rampant unbelief and negativity. And like the widow, we have to shut out these voices of unbelief and fear and negativity. You see, because faith is what brings breakthrough, not unbelief, not complaining. Mark actually tells a similar story of, of this a guy called Jairus, his daughter was sick. And she was at the point of dying and he comes to Jesus in desperation. He says, come and help my daughter, she's about to die. And as they come to the house where this daughter was, people were standing outside, forget it, she's dead, it's over. Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, just believe. So what does Jesus do? He goes in and he shuts the door. He puts all those negative guys outside. And he just brings some of his disciples who has faith on the inside. And we see this incredible miracle that is done. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount and he says this incredible thing. He says, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, he says, do it in secret. Close the door. Close the door and pray. So what, what does this mean for all of us? It means God wants to do Still today, what is it today? 11, 12 June 20, 2023. This same God does not change. He still wants to do impossible things through you and me. Will you position yourself? Will you make yourself available for Him to use you? Two stories. There's a story of this boy. It was offering time. Taking up the offering. And as they were passing on the baskets, this boy sat there in his chair and he realized he's got nothing to give. Maybe some of you felt like that today. And he's sweating and he's concerned and he, and he knows this basket is coming and it feels like the whole church, everyone is looking at him. And he looks in his pocket and he's trying to see what has he got. I don't know what has the boy got in his pocket. What's it? What's it? Snakes and dog tails and what's it? That, there's a thing. You know, maybe a piece of wire, maybe a, a marble. I don't know what he's got. And eventually the basket comes. What does he do? He gets in the basket. He says, Lord, I don't have any money, but I can give myself. Yes? That is the best theology ever. Okay. Okay, I'm not saying you should now stand in the basket. Okay? It's good to give money. 
it's good to sow into God's work. But the principle is that this is what God wants. He doesn't just want your money. He wants all of you. He says, give yourself to Him. There is no limit to what your life is too short for what God can do to someone who has fully surrendered to Him. So, let me conclude with this story. This guy, he was in, uh, I don't know if you know, on the island here, I think they said there was things like this. Um, I know there used to be these telephone booths. So if you wanted to make a telephone call, I know for the kids, uh, this is like, makes no sense. Maybe you can show them on Google, eh? on the History Channel. Yeah, you might see it there. So if you wanted to make a phone call, you go to this booth. And there was a telephone, and they were usually red. And then inside there was a phone book attached to a chain. Because obviously people clearly took the books or something. So, um, so here was this guy that was getting dark and he stood there in this telephone booth but sort of inside and outside. And uh, he was trying to read, sort of the, find the telephone number but it was too dark for him to see. And as he's doing this people start walking past. And they, they start shouting, shut the door! Shut the door! And he said, you know, he's like, what's, why are they saying that? And they keep saying, shut the door. And as he goes inside, and he shuts the door, the light goes on. Okay? How much more? With all the difficulty, negativity, unbelief, and all this stuff happening around us, do we need to shut the door? Get behind the closed door with Jesus. So the light can go on. As we open His Word, may His Spirit come and make the Word alive to us. Open it up to us. So that from that place, we can go with great faith, with great expectation, to be His hands and feet. And help a desperate world around us to find this incredible Jesus, who still does impossible things today. Amen. Won't you stand? Let's just take a moment just to consider this incredible text. Maybe you are the widow in the story. Maybe you're desperate. Maybe you are the prophet that people need to come to. That you can point them to God. So Lord, I want to I wanna thank you. Thank you for your incredible word. I thank you that you are this incredible father who knows every detail of our lives. Jesus, you are, like we saw even at the grave of Lazarus, you are this compassionate friend who can cry with us. But you are also a powerful deliverer who is able to deliver us. And I don't know where, where, where you need God to be to, to you today. Maybe you need Him to be the compassionate friend. Maybe you need Him to be this powerful deliverer. I pray God this morning that you would again encourage us. Would you enlarge our faith? Would you help us again to realize that you are the God of the impossible? And you today, like you did then, you want to do impossible things in and through us. Help us to understand, like that boy, to position ourselves. Position ourselves 
to be your hands and feet, to give ourselves wholeheartedly to you, to do incredible things, to, to help people, to, arm, to be the answer to people's desperate prayer, we pray. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Lead us in your wonderful ways, we pray. Amen.